0: tomorrow. Why we all get out of bed and open up presents and have dinner and get around family. How did Noah point to this boy to be born Jesus, right? Then we talked about Abraham. How did Abraham point to Jesus? And then he talks about Israel here or Moses through Israel. How did they come to be pointing to the coming boy named Jesus? And then lastly, last week, Anthony talked about David. How did King David and his life and his story and the covenant established with him point to Jesus, Now, we just heard, right, Christ comes in and fulfills all of these Old Testament covenants because the reality was is for years and years and years, the people of God have tried to attain perfection, right? have tried to attain favor before God and have failed miserably. And so someone had to come in and fill in the gap. And his name is Jesus. It's whom we celebrate. And so I'm going to read from Hebrews uh, chapter 8 when it talks about our new covenant. We'll look at a few points from this, and then we'll just get to sing some more songs in celebration of the fact that we now live in a time where we can look back on the fact He has come. He has come, and He has come to fulfill everything we could not. Let's read in verse 1. Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. A minister in the holy places in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus, it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than as the old covenant. He mediates is better since it's enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would be no occasion to look for a second. For he, ha- he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them out of, by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant, and I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, for I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. So just a quick four points in Christ fulfilling this. Point one, Jesus is now not just alive because we celebrate tomorrow, but he is alive again because we know the story, right? Christ comes, he's born tomorrow, and then guess what? In a few short months, we will celebrate his death and his resurrection because the reality is is Christ has lived the life that no one here could have lived. A life that when we look at this, when we study the Bible and say, man, I would love for this to describe me, and we know we find blame in ourselves because we do not add up. And so Christ comes in and he fulfills the law perfectly. He lives the life we couldn't live. And we know he goes to a cross to die the death that each of us deserved. Because of our sin, because of our transgression, because of our brokenness, our separation from God, something else needed to happen. And it was this man, Christ. This boy who was raised came down, God in the flesh, becomes man. Imagine this, you are the king of the world and you come from your throne into a womb to be born and to be raised by man lives the life we could not live, dies the death we deserved. And we know now that Christ sits at the right hand of the Father in power and in glory. And so the reality for us today, why do we celebrate, is because Christ is still alive. And he's still powerful. And he is ruling and reigning over this world and redeeming its creation from now until the day we get to restoration. And he fulfills all things. Amen? That is an incredible reason for the church to rejoice, not just here in the Orpheum as we sing songs, but as you go home tonight, as you spend time with family, as you wake up in the morning, as you tear into presents, as you eat your meal, to constantly remember Jesus is alive and the ruler of this world, the fulfiller of all things we could not do. Number two. Jesus is the high priest whose sacrifice is greater than the gifts of old. See, again, we look to the Old Testament to the people of Israel who tried to achieve, who tried to earn. Every year they would take their high priest. They would send him into this tent and say, okay, there are all these restrictions and rules and rituals, but you will go in and you will sacrifice something unto the Lord. And the iniquity of the people of God will be placed on this animal, and then you will cast him away, and you will slaughter one, and that will atone for the sins of the world. And every year this was mandatory. But today, again, we celebrate the birth of this child because this child would go on to be the final sacrifice Necessary. That never again must we sacrifice anything else because Christ has done it for us. So out of a response to that, the people of God now live lives of sacrifice because he accomplished what we could not. Point three, Jesus mediates a better covenant. So again, we look to the covenants that billboard or brochure or point us to tomorrow morning. And we know that we no longer wait for a set of land, right? We don't, we don't wait for this great nation promised to Abram because we know that God has established his kingdom on this earth that knows no border. That, this, that the walls of this are not the church. That, that the flagstaff is not the church. God doesn't just reside here. His kingdom permeates all of creation. No longer do we wait for a people to be given unto us for we have the community and family of God, the church. No longer do we wait for these things to be fulfilled because they already have in Jesus. His covenant is better. The new covenant is what we celebrate. No longer is the law written on scrolls for yours and for my obedience. But instead, it's written on your heart and on your mind. That Christ, no longer must we know him. He will make himself known to us. And we see his glory in his work and what he has provided. The last way, the last thing, number four, Jesus provides a better way forward. Certainly than the covenant of old, but definitely than the ideologies of the present. That as we all go, and we've been inundated with it for the entire month, consistently these things, this is what this month should be. Every time you turn on your television, every time you pick up your newspaper, you read a new catalog telling you what this season should be about. The ideologies of the day that say this is what will satisfy, this is what will cure, this is what will give you success, status, power, insert whatever thing you desire. Christ's new covenant. Trumps any ideology of the day because he has fulfilled it in every possible way where we could not. And then he pays for us a greater hope to the future where every idol, where everything that you would try and prop up, not Christ, will fail you. When we lift up and herald this infant born in a manger which seems so contradictory to what makes sense to us as human beings to, uh, to acknowledge and glorify an infant. We do so. We celebrate tomorrow. We celebrate even now. We sing these songs because this little boy paves the way forward for a people and a creation that were lost. And so now we have hope in a full and total restoration of this world beyond anything we could ever imagine. So we sing and we celebrate. But Christ calls us in the midst of all of this, to a response. Because like Noah, Abraham, Moses and David, each one called out, raised up, that in their obedience that there would be the salvation of the world, the same thing happens for us, and like the covenants that we just looked at, it requires a response. It requires the people who are the beneficiaries of what Christ has accomplished to say, yep, I want it, I believe it, and I'm in. And so I call to us all now tonight, regardless of what brought you here, if you've been a Christian your whole life, you got saved last week, or you come because you got dragged here and you want nothing to do with God when you showed up, I call us all to this one thing. To try and understand the depth and the weight of this story. That regardless if you believe it or not, tonight is the true story of the world. And that our eyes would be opened. And that non-Christian and Christian alike, tonight would we resolve as a people to do three things. To repent, to believe, and to worship. Amen? That we as a people would say, man, I've, I've done wrong. I've messed up. I haven't fulfilled. I haven't lived this perfectly. I've treated these people poorly. Let us leave that. Let us turn from that. Let us believe in something greater than ourselves, greater than the ideologies of the day and say, Christ, I am yours. Be my Lord. And that then we would celebrate and sing. We have a few more songs tonight. And hear me, church, don't let this time go. And don't let it just be about singing these tunes that we all know. But truly let us sit in this moment as a people of God And those who might just be asking questions to say, man, you have done something special. And you did it in such a peculiar way that you, God, would become an infant to save the world. This is what we celebrate tonight. The story of the birth of a boy who changed everything for every man, woman, child, and all of creation from that day forward until eternity. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. It was, it's just a brief look into your fulfillment. God, we know that there is, there's so much to talk about, so much to be thankful for, so much to celebrate. But Lord, we hone in on We focus in on the reality, God, that you fulfilled everything we could not fulfill. And so we lay down our own pride tonight. We lay down our own desires for what's next and just sit in this moment to worship the coming of a king in the form of an infant. Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming in the way that you did to show us humility, to show us sacrifice, and to show us love. I pray that now for all those who would be here who say, Jesus, you are my Savior, you are my Lord, God, that we would respond in this moment of extravagant reflection and worship and generosity, God, to render all things unto you that we are to do, God, to give to you our whole lives as we are created by you and for you. God, may the church celebrate and may the world rejoice. Because unto this creation a child was born that has changed and redeemed everything. God, we celebrate you, we love you, we praise you. Now move in the hearts of the men and women here, God, that we would well up in love and adoration for what you've done, that we would sing your praises and trust you forevermore. Thank you again, Lord. To your name we pray, amen.